pray with me, please? We praise you, we glorify you, and we give you thanks. For you are Lord. Jesus, you were Lord at your birth. You are Lord now, and you will be Lord for eternity. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our minds to not only hear your word, but allow your word to go deep within us and to change us. And we thank you and give you the praise. For it is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I have to say, first and foremost, Merry Christmas! (laughs) You know, the world is not aware that Christmas is still going on. Christmas ended on the 25th, but you know we have a few more days to go. So those of you who have not bought the clergy gifts, you've still got about seven more days of Christmas. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, that this morning you missed it. I guess we should have told you what was getting ready to happen at 8 o'clock this morning. We had a visitation from the Holy Spirit in a magnificent way that most everyone in this room has had. Some of you had it as a baby. Some of you, when you got to be a little bit older, maybe in your teens, you had this visitation. Some of you waited till you were a little bit older than that, an adult, to have this visitation. We had the sacrament of holy baptism this morning at 8 o'clock. And two men, grown men, came forward in this sacrament and put their head down and were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit touched their life and they are changed forever. It was a magnificent moment. And you could feel the movement of the Spirit in this room that is hard to even describe. Now, for some of you, like I said, as babies, you had this experience. And your parents and your godparents came forth, and by their faith they brought you forth to be baptized. And the outward sign of the water symbolized the inward work of the Holy Spirit that was going to work in your heart, converting regenerating and changing you into the person that God created you to be. So some of you do not remember that. But you do remember that when you got a little bit older, by faith, you confirmed what God did for you as a baby. In an act of confirmation, there again the Holy Spirit came and touched your life and continued to do the work in you 
that he had started from the very beginning. The baptism was so perfect for our reading in John today, our gospel, for all of the songs that we sang, talking about the coming of the Lord that would come and change the world, would change each person individually and would take the darkness that was in this world and eradicate the power that that darkness has over our lives. And before I get into two verses that I want to talk about, because Greg told me not to go over an hour. I, wasn't that right? That's what, right? Isn't that right? Five minutes. Got to wrap this baby up. Before I get into those two verses, I want to give you just a very brief synopsis of the verses 1 through 18 in John chapter 1. It's called the prologue a lot of times because it sets forth what the gospel of John is going to be about. In verses 1 through 5, we see where John reveals the glory of God, who is and was his son Jesus, and who was and is God himself. In verses 2 through 16, the true light comes. And one bears witness of that true light, which is John. This true light comes into the world to eradicate, and listen carefully, the power, the power that darkness has over the world. Now, there's still darkness in this world. And there are people that would rather live in darkness than in light because they like to do bad things. So it reminds me of a cockroach. Have you ever thought of that? I think about it every time I turn on a light and two or three of them scurry. I said, that's right, you get out of here because the light's on. Because they'd rather be in darkness. But there are those people who do not have the light. They don't have it. And so darkness is the norm that they live in. In verses 14 through 18, God, the word of God, the true light, becomes flesh. He becomes like us. He becomes a human being. God, man, enters the world, though without sin. So I want to look at verses 12 and 13, and let me read those to you quickly to remind you of these verses in John 1. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We see in these two verses the importance of receiving the light of the world into our lives by way of the Holy Spirit. We also see the benefits of receiving that light in that we become one of his children. We're no longer orphans. We're no longer lost in darkness. We no longer are sort of scattered out with no belonging 
But we belong. We belong to the creator of the universe that created the world. We become his child. We become an heir. We have an inheritance. Now in verse 12, John says, But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And this is a great, wonderful Greek word, the right, exousia, which means in the Greek, the power, the authority, the right. It almost sounds like a legal term, that you didn't have the right, but now that all the benefits have been paid, you now have the right. This can sometimes be a little bit misleading to us, because it sounds like that now that we've been given the right, we control the power. Well, just try to control the Holy Spirit. I promise you, if you don't want him to move in a particular way, he's going to move in that way. I have to tell you this quick funny story. We were in seminary, and there was a a man sitting right next to my husband in chapel. And this guy was known um, as being, uh, well, he was a missionary, but he was also known for doing some kind of radical things in church. And so... Robert was sitting right next to him, and we went through the service and everything, and I was sitting over on the, on the back side with some of the other women. We had just come in late, and all of a sudden, he feels this guy getting kind of itchy. So Robert starts praying, Lord, Lord, please don't let him do anything. Just don't let him do anything really crazy here. Now, I'm going to shock you when I'm going to tell you this, Okay. Now, this is at Virginia Theological Seminary. He stood up, and he gave a message in an unknown language. Well, Robert said all he could feel himself do was slump all the way down in the seat and think, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, they're looking right at me. And the professor, who was the dean of the seminary, who was sitting on one side, turned to the professor who was getting ready to give the sermon and nodded, and he stood up and said what that message was that that man had just given in an unknown language. And the sermon continued. You see, the Holy Spirit is in charge. Not me. None of the, none of the clergy, none of the people, No one, the Holy Spirit, is going to do what he wants to do in our life. And it can be scary, can it? Because we basically like to be in control. So that's not what he's saying about being in control of this power in our life. If you look down a little bit further in verse 13, we see what looks like divine initiative. The Holy Spirit comes in makes you a child of God, and takes over your life. That's it. You have no choice. You have no freedom. You're just like a puppet. That's not what he's saying either, is it? What he's saying is that because of Jesus, we have been given an amazing gift. We have been given life. Without the Spirit of God living inside of us, 
whether we know it or not, we're not alive. Life comes from God. God breathed, remember, into Adam and he became a living being. Because the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, we who were dead become alive. And not only are we alive and have life, but we have abundant life. We live a life that is extraordinary. We go from the ordinary to the extraordinary. So we see that in these two verses, we've got the human responsibility, which is to say yes, yes. Thank you for that amazing gift. Thank you for the life that you've given me. And I say yes to you, Lord. And then we have the divine initiative. Not by the will of man, not by the will of the flesh, but by the will of God. He came His son came, he died on the cross, he gave his life so that we could have life, and then he gives us that gift so that we are alive because of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It is an amazing thing that happens when we receive that gift of life. So in our text in John, We see that we're not forced to be children of God. We don't have to be a child of God. He gives us that freedom. But why would we not want to be? Why would we not want to receive the gift of life? Why would we not want to live a life of abundance? So here's the challenge. For those of you who had that gift... That the Holy Spirit has come in and has, you are now born again, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of the will of God. Now that you have the gift of life, what are you doing with the gift? Where is it? Is it, is it in your house? Is it in your church from 10 to 11.30? Maybe 12. Where is the gift? Is the gift inside of you and shining out with that bright light so that everybody you encounter says, they have a gift, I don't know what it is, but I want it. Is it the gift that keeps on giving, as they say? What are we doing with the gift. To become a child of the Most High God means that we share with Him a divine life. Though ordinary, we become extraordinary. Because the King of the universe, the Creator of the world, lives inside of us. Can you believe that He would come and live in these earthen vessels? But he does, because he loves us that much. It also means that as he lives inside of us, that we have his character. Love. Supernatural love. Unconditional love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Goodness. 
kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-discipline. These are the character traits of Jesus. And they live inside of us because we have the Holy Spirit. And you see, they're growing. Every day that we give our life more and more and more over to him and more of the rule of our life over to him, because he's given us that freedom, he grows that character in us. And we become those lights that shine in the darkness. We sang. We worshiped. We sang incredible hymns, some that have been around a very, very long time. We read the Word of God, which is alive. It's living. We did these things together. And it all points to one point. And it's this. Jesus is the only way out of darkness. There is no other way out of your darkness. There's no other way out of patterns of darkness. There's no other way out of sin. There's no other way out of death. Jesus is the truth to counter any lie or any misconception or any deceiving spirit that would try to come against us. And finally, Jesus is the life. He is the life of all persons. He is eternal life. Without the spirit of the living God, the gift of life that was brought to us because of Christmas Day, we cannot live the life that God created us to live. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We thank you and praise you for this amazing gift that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we would live the life that you gave your life on that cross for us to live. And we give you all the glory and all the praise, for it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.